raw, unfiltered, and always brutally honest. I'm Kay Renee, and welcome to Brutal Honesty. Hey guys, and welcome or welcome back to Brutal Honesty with your girl Kay Renee. If you're watching on YouTube, welcome back to Kay the Bookworm. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. So today I have a very special guest because she is from my hometown, 843. She is right off the street from me, honestly, because I live in Somerville. I have Miss Mel Daw here with me today, and I'm so, so excited. I found her when I believe either I just got signed or I was getting signed to my company, um, Reign of Lit. And I noticed that she was from Charleston and I was like, oh my gosh, let me go read. So the first book I got, I ordered books from you, which was mm-hmm. the Right. got the wrap up. Mm-hmm. So I read the love section first, loved everything about this book. Mm-hmm. It's amazing and gorgeous. And then I wanted to read the wrap up, but I got confused. So I, DM, I remember DMing you and asking you, right. you know, if the wrap up was a continuation of a book, you told me yes. And then that's when I found Time Pie book, mm-hmm. story. And then I read that one, the second one, the spinoff with uh, Terrell and his wife, which I totally can't remember her name. Okay. Yes. And then I read Justin Grills, Justin mm-hmm. Grills. And then I read Summer Howe. Mm-hmm. And then I just got done reading um, the one with Liam. Right. Love's Touchdown. Yes, and then that's how I kind of figured with this. I was like, when I, was like I saw Kaliska, I was like, what's up? Oh, okay. They call, it, like, all, it, all con- it all connects. <laughs> yeah, it all connects. So then I just, and then I also read uh, Love Quarantine. Mm-hmm. And just got that reading your newest book. Congratulations, Shameless Love. Thank you. So, first of all, I just want to say I honestly love the Charleston ones the most because mm-hmm. you know, I don't have family in Mount Pleasant, but I do have family in Mount Corner. And it definitely reminded me of the lingo. I felt right. like at home reading it. So my first question is, how and when did you get started? And my second one is, why did you want to write um, Kai and Pie story? So ironically, today is the anniversary of when I signed my first contract with Queens of Lit, um, Queens of Lit Presents. I realized that it came up on my um, on my memories on Facebook. So how I got started was Zatasha, who was over bookies, asked me, she was doing, at the time she was doing like a short story contest. And I had, you know, we knew, we knew each other because we were book, um, book plugs. So I had read a lot, so authors knew me. So I was like, okay, I write a short story for the contest, whatever. So I wrote the first two chapters of Kaya and Pie. So she was like, she called me. She was like, I'm not going to put this in a contest. I'm like, why? You, you know, I was like, wait a minute. Now. I know I, I'm thinking like, it's bad. Like, yeah. I know I can write a little bit. She was <laughs> like, no, I want you to write a book. I was like, I'm not writing a book. I'm an HR professional. I don't write for literature. She was like, types, this is good. I was like, no. But what she didn't realize was I was going through a deep depression. My father had passed. I was not handling it well at all. So I had already had a suicide plan. So I was like, I don't plan to be here by the end of the week. So there's no need for me to be trying to write a book. 
So she was, she kind of left me alone. So then the next day, Sage J reached out to me and she said, Tice, I just try writing five chapters and tell me how you feel. So because of she was my fave, I was like, okay, out of deference to her, I said, I'll try it. I wrote those five chapters in maybe like three, four hours. And I realized it dawned on me that I can immortalize my father on pages. So now all of the wisdom that he's put into me, I can put in through different characters in my books and do this. And it literally saved my life. So my first year, I was pumping out books, pumping out books, pumping out books. So that's how Kair and Kair and Pie came about. And I, those first, probably my first three books were very detrimental in my life because I was trying to save my life. So I kept writing and writing and writing. So my first year, I was writing extremely heavy. And then, you know, through time, you know, I got, and now I'm, you know, I'm, I take my, and a lot of times I wasn't taking meds like I was supposed to, I wasn't in therapy, but now I'm actually doing what I need to do for my mental health. So it's better. But when I first started, I was writing and outputting as many books as I was unbeknownst to people. They thought, oh, she's just a bomb. She's just doing it. No, I, every time you see me put a book out, it's because i more than likely am trying to not kill myself. Mm. And that was how it was in the beginning. So that's how I started. Like, and I always tell the time, like, you saved my life. Like, God works in mysterious ways. And I never knew, before I started writing, I had absolutely no idea what my purpose was. I was walking around here just purposeless. Like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm supposed to do when I grow up. <laughs> you know, like, and then I started writing and it was like, aha, this is what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to use your words in some way to impact people. So that's why I always tell people I write informational dramas because I want to make an impact in my book. I want to entertain you, but I want you to come from the reading a book of mine, learning something that you didn't know before or having a, or thinking about something like maybe you might be depressed and you're thinking, well, maybe I can go see someone. Maybe I should talk to someone about what happened in my past. So that's what I want to invoke thought when I write a book. Wow, that was I've also been through suicidal thoughts myself. Uh, actually, like last June, sometime, mm -hmm. going through not a break, uh, you could say a breakup, but somebody I was really attached to very close mm -hmm. to me. And the way he did me was just wrong. And then have his now baby mama basically talk all the shit she talked to me at the time. It was just like at the point where I was like, what the fuck did I do to you type thing? Right. And it was just like, what did I do to deserve this? And he didn't sincerely apologize. It was like, it was like an apology for him and not simply for me. So right. it was just like, what the fuck? So yeah, I've been there, definitely there with suicidal thoughts. But right. wow. I, one thing I can say about you is that when I do read your work, I feel pain. Like mm -hmm. Justice Rose, for example, in the description of, um, how she Rose was going through the situation with her being trapped with her quote unquote bitch ass friend father, mm -hmm. and then also him pimping her out and having the baby syndrome. That oh, I had to start reading it for like a whole day because I was yeah. Just, and it I, was a lot, and, and yeah. I found my voice in that book. And that was the first book where I because Kaya and Pie, I wrote it in the voice of what I thought the reader wanted. Because I had just came off of reading Latoya Nicole and Miss Lady P and all these amazing other authors. So I was like, oh, I'm going to write like they write because that's what everybody loves. But then when I got to Justice Rose, I was like, no, that's not how I want to write. 
So that book, to be honest with you, a lot, some of those scenes in that book, I wrote in my therapist's office. Oh, wow. Because some of those scenes were real scenes in my life. So she was like, are you sure you want to put these things out there? Even though it's fiction, you know, a lot of times our reality, fiction is, is a version of reality sometimes. Yeah. So she's like, you know, this could be detrimental to your, you know, these things could be detrimental to you as well as someone else. And I, I worried about it. I was like, this is the, that beginning scene, that prologue was, yeah. was hard for me to write. And I don't think, I don't think I've written anything like that again, because I realized it was hard for me to write it. So I can imagine somebody reading it. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, I don't think I'll be doing that again in that manner. Like even with River of Love, I, I skimmed over, you know, I didn't write any, I try not to write any type of molestation scenes or whatever. I might skim over it and say it happened, but to go in detail, like I did with Justice Rose, I was like, that was a learning point for me. But, did we, I did read Reveal Love. The only one I think I haven't read by you I started was um, Terrell and Tay's daughter story. Okay, Tan, um, uh, Tana's heart. I started and I'm not gonna lie, it was just too much. Yeah, that story was another um, it was another heavy one. And I wanted to talk about domestic violence in youth yeah. um, because it's, it's skipped over so much. We have so many college students that are brutally, you know, in domestic violence situations. So I, I thought I prayed on that one too. And that's why I put trigger warnings. Yeah. Like, hey, this, this, this book, that book um, has a lot to do with you know that so I it, it was a lot and I and even in my trigger when I said hey it has domestic violence and um you know mentions of miscarriage so if that's you know if you can't read it I understand love I, I don't fault anybody at all and I was like Ooh, yeah um bring it a little bit not um not physically abusive but definitely the emotional mental mm -hmm. or and I was just like I can't I can't. And you know, sometimes that's worse than the physical. Yes. I've been in a, I've been in a, um, ironically, when I wrote um, Hell of a Blessing, that story, at the time that I wrote Hell of a Blessing, I was in a domestic uh, uh, um, abusive relationship. Mm -hmm. And the main character of Hell of a Blessing was my abuser. Hello. So he didn't want me to write. And I, and he like, when I was with him, I think I only put out, I was with him for a year. I might've only put out two or three books the whole time I was with him. Um, Cause he didn't want me to write. He felt like it was taking me away from him, all this other stuff. So I came up with this idea. I said, hey, I want, I've got a book idea and I want to make you the main character because he's a narcissist. He was like, hell yeah. So he was down with it. So I made him the main character, the character visual, everything. And I found it funny that, and now if you get the book now, I have a forward in the front where I say, I was in such a dark place that I made my my abuser the protagonist in a storyline about a person in a domestic violence situation. So in Hell of a Blessing, Broski saves Blessing from her abuser when I was in a house with that person yeah. get, having a broken arm. Yeah. You know, just if he did whatever happened, like if he got drunk there, I, I never knew what was going to happen. Same thing with, you know, just crazy stuff. So when we finally broke up, you know, everything was good when we finally broke up. I finally got out with my life because I just knew I didn't want to be 
hashtag. I didn't want to be somebody, and at the time, my sorority was going really hard about domestic violence, and I was like, I don't want to have my sorority having a seminar in remembrance of me about domestic violence. So I was like, I gotta go. Like I, that the last day that I broke up with him, I had a concussion of, um, I had a concussion, a dislocated shoulder, two fractured ribs. And I woke up, I like, it, it happened. We went to sleep, I'm in pain, I can't sleep. Got up in the morning, act like everything was normal, getting ready for work. He's bopping around the house. I love you. you. You know, you. I love you. I do the things I do because I love you. And I just so jealous. I don't want to be. I'm like, okay, okay. Dropped him off the work. And I immediately went to the emergency room. And then after I went to the emergency room, I came home, I packed him up and I took his stuff to the job, to his job, dropped it off. Then I went to the magistrate and got a restraining order. I did all of that in eight hours because I was like, he's going to kill me. And that's what the people at the, um, at the hospital said. They said, he's going to kill me. This is your second time here. The first time you came in with a broken arm. And that was in May. He broke my arm that May. And in November, I was back with all those other injuries. And they were like, he's going to kill you. So I was like, I have to go. Like, I can't do this. I have a daughter. I, you know, I'm sitting here writing books about domestic violence. And I'm sitting here looking stupid in a domestic violence situation. So, and you never, I consider myself a strong woman. So I wasn't, it's weird when people be like, oh, I would never let man, ain't no nigga gonna hit me. You never know till you in that situation because I used to say the same thing. Oh, I'm kill. Yeah. Okay. I, and I was, it's not like I was taking it lying down. Oh, I was I'm from Charleston. Oh yeah, we've been bamming. <laughs> but I'm not like, we've been bamming, but at the same time, I'm not a man. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? So like, <laughs> I had to stop getting my nails done. Just so if we get into it, I can do it. Yeah. Yeah. So like I had, because he used to bend my nails back. So I had stopped, I had totally stopped getting my nails done for almost six months when we were in the relationship. And then I didn't get them done again until almost a year after we were out of the relationship, just in case I had to fight. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, oh yeah, it wasn't like I was just like, oh, he hit me. I'm okay, stop. No, oh, you want to, okay, let's go. But that's toxic. You know, like I shouldn't have to feel like come home and be like, all right, we might fight. <laughs> you don't have to have toxicity in your house of peace. Say it again. You shouldn't have toxicity in your house of peace. Right. It is supposed to be your. It's supposed to be your sanctuary. Somewhere you can come and just be like, I'm home. I gotta, you know, I want to lay down. I want to chill out. Like when you feel like you have to put cameras in your home just in case something happens, so you can have some kind of evidence. That's not a mindset you need to be in. Yeah. Um. Your story. I don't know if you thought of that or not, but your story legit reminds me of Moth to a Flame by um, Ashley Antoinette. Mm-hmm. Um, the main character in that was a very is in a was in a relationship as well, and but unfortunately she passed away trying to get out of the situation, and it was um her honestly the person that was trying to save her accidentally killed her because she was driving the abuser's car. Mm-hmm. So. And that story really hurt me too, because just like she was young, like he manipulated her while she was like maybe thinking like 18. Yeah, she, I remember that book. Yeah, got her daddy, you know what I'm saying? So all that stuff. And then now I'm reading Butterfly, and her sister Morgan is kind of going through the same things. Not, not well, you could say it's the same thing, because like without the girl tried to kill herself technically. And it's just like, it's crazy. 
So in my mm-hmm. book that I wrote, I do have a scene where the main character, Michelle, goes through kind of like a trauma like that. Mm-hmm. But her mother's an alcoholic and her dad died mm-hmm. when she was young. And her mother basically copes with alcoholism to where she gets another dude who is basically an alcoholic and tries to rape Michelle and, you know, beats the mother up to the point where the mother, you know, says enough. Michelle shoots him, kills him by accident. It didn't mean to, but because she killed her mother's man, she kicked her out. So she's in therapy as well. So I feel as if when I read your books, I realized that you are definitely heavy on mental health. I am. And that's what I, I feel as if as Black people, especially Black women, but just Black people in general, we don't do that enough. We don't feel as if Black mental health is a place of to go. Like, like psychiatrists don't exist. Right. And, you know, what's funny is, you know, as Black women, we wear the superwoman cape. Mm-hmm. We can do I am every woman type of situation. Like I can do it all. And I and I have a, I, I used to blog and I remember blogging, I'm not every woman. And that's okay. Like I there are certain things I just I have to put boundaries on. And going to therapy is okay. Having a psychiatrist, my psychiatrist is, is African. And my therapist, I just started with a new therapist and she's black. And you know, that I don't think I could live my life without going through therapy because I've had and sometimes. You don't even realize the traumas you have until you go to therapy. You could be like, oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. And then all of a sudden you go to therapy and you're like, damn, I never realized I had abandonment issues. Because it's those little things that you don't think about that you might even think are normal. And it's like, baby, that's not normal. So, you know, and it's just, you know, like I remember in college, I had a best friend. And we were, we used to be best friends. Like we were together freaking frat to the point where you would think that she was my man. Like she would get mad. Like, so it was, I met her, she was my best friend that she introduced me to a third girl. So we were always together. She got mad when, if I would spend time with this other girl and she's not around. And to the point where she told me she wished she never introduced me to her. Now me and the other girls, um, her name is Atasha too. We're still best friends, but she cut it off with me because she was like, no, I don't want to, my best friend is my best friend. I know we say that jokingly, but she like to the point where people thought that my friends would be like, she act like she fucking you. What is up with that? But then in hindsight and knowing her her family dynamic, it dawned on me like she has abandonment issues. Yeah. Because I know her her backstory, but at the time I'm younger. I don't know. I don't I got my own problem. I'm not worried about her. But now that I've been through therapy and stuff like that, I was like, that's probably what that was. And I just didn't, we didn't, neither of us knew how to handle that. Right. Handle that. So I mean, me too. Like I even though one of them, somebody, one of my readers said she could tell by my books that I have abandonment issues. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I do, you know, especially with, you know, like my dad has always been in my life, but he left our home when I was 13, but he was always around. So it wasn't like he was a deadbeat dad or anything. He was always there, but I still have that. He wasn't physically in the home. So I had that abandonment yeah. from that. And then with, with him dying and then my mom dying in 2019, I, you know, I'm still very much hurt by that. I'm I'm almost, I'm just getting to a point where I can pray past two minutes and not get mad at God and be like, you took something from me, you know? So I, I had, I was mad. I, and even with my mom, like that came from left field. And my mom was like one of these 
prayer warriors, saved, sanctified, filled with every piece of the Holy Ghost. And I was like, why you take my mama and he trying to give me no warning? Like, what? So I was, I'm, I'm still mad about that. Like that part, I'm, with my dad, I'm kind of working it out. But with my mom, I'm still like, I'm pissed. Like, I, I still got packed boxes I haven't opened from her. And I'm like, yo, like, I'm 39 and both of my parents are gone. Where they do that at? Like, and I'm not close. Unfortunately, I'm not close with any of my extended family. His family did us dirty. Her family I never was really close with. So I was like, I guess it's just me and my brothers now. But my dad always told us, told me, it's, that's all you got in the end. Like that extended family shit is cute. But he was like, you got to stick to to that inner inner circle. So, and I'm a country girl, so... I was like, yeah, it's just me and my brothers. Like my brothers are, they, I'm, there's a five-year gap in between us. Mm-hmm. So they doing their thing, I'm doing my thing. And my dad was like, I, we raised you in a certain way. Y'all don't, y'all are not dependent. We weren't dependent on our parents, even though I'm spoiled. I was very spoiled. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I tell people, I was like, no, you'll never understand that the first time my car broke down after my daddy died, I was sitting on the side of the road having a full-on panic attack. Like, what do I do? What do I do? I called my store. I was like, girl, my car broke down. What am I supposed to do? She was like, call a mechanic. I was like, I usually call my daddy. I don't know no mechanics. She was like, calm down. She sent her husband out there. And oh, every time I was crying. I was like, I don't know what to do. It was so bad. And then the car that I had when my dad died was my last the last thing he gave me like he oh, wow. bought all my cars oh, wow. so my first, my honda that i have now is the first car i've ever bought by myself because he bought all my cars yeah. so when i'm at the dealership i took one of my stores and i didn't want to trade the car in and first of all the car wasn't worth nothing it was an 06 chevy impala the the finance manager was like uh this car is probably worth like 500 dollars. but my frat who sold it to me was like let's give her the max amount for a junk car which is 1500 i'm saying they're like i don't want to trade it in and my son was like, Titus, really? So I had to call my brother. My brother was like, Titus, dad's not in the car. He, he's like, not in the car. But this is the car he bought. He's like, Titus, let it go. Let it go. So I bought it and I was like, but, oh my God, like I was spoiled. But now he took the time before he died to teach me certain things um, in the months before he died to like, he put me in a budgeting class. Because he was like, he said, look, look, girl, as as Gucci as, as Gucci as the day is born, you know, look, 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 Lauren. Um, when I die, I, you ain't gonna have no safety net, so I ain't know what to say. If you don't pay your rent, you, you just go ain't gonna have no place to stay because you can't come stay with your mom. Really, Dad? That's that's exactly what you said to me. Yeah, I was like, well, I, I wouldn't come stay with my mom. I mean, I know you ain't gonna stay with your mom because she wants you to stay with her, and I want you to stay with her, and I know you ain't gonna stay with her. All right, Melvin. So he put me, he paid and put me in a budgeting class. So, and I thank him every day for that because now I know how to budget. I know how to do what I'm supposed to do. I know how to, you know, make sure I have, you know, he's like, whatever you like to do, just put it on a budget line. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, whatever. I was telling, talking to some dude the other day. I was like, bro, if you like to smoke weed, that's cool. Just put a budget on, put a budget line on it. He was like, a budget line for weed? I said, just put fun time. You know, like he was like, Yo, you're crazy. I'm like, I'm serious. He was like, so, but yeah, I, I mean, my my characters come from people I know, people I've been around. 
college friends, high school friends, just people. I see that also that you are very, 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 very engaged with your sorority, which is Zeta Phi Beta, Beta Sorority Incorporated. I am a Sigma Gamma Rho myself. So I love y'all. I am. I am. I have, um, I'm actually a state officer. I'm a state I'm parliamentarian. Um, so I am very engaged <laughs> in my sorority. Oh, uh, y'all got that um cupcakes, cupcakes um and something coming up soon. I just saw a flyer for it and we have one too. And let me tell you, let me let me say something. When y'all did y'all rebranding, I said, God damn them rules. I said, Lord, I said, I don't even know if I want to say this, but if I wasn't already a Z, they would have got my <laughs> ass on that damn rebranding. I that thing was so shot. I said, Look at this. Centennial coming next year. And from what I saw on Twitter, they said Centennial's already sold out. So I'm like, Look, y'all, well, I ain't even mad at y'all. Oh, I was like, like them roads doing it. I said, Look, I said, Y'all, y'all, we slept on them roads for years. But y'all went, y'all, I said, Y'all went, y'all, when y'all did that rebrand, I said, I called myself, I said, Hey, you seen the roads rebranding? She said, Girl, I was about to call you. I said, Yo. I actually, I'd be like, talking about them now, like, yo, they just shit, yo, like, they rebranding is real hot. Like, like, I was like, I was real, real impressed. I was like, but we're, we're visual people. And if you don't know anything about a sorority, then visual is going to, what's going to, what's going to bring you in first. So I'm like, look, I'm, I'm Zeta down to the heart, lead blue and white all day. But I was like, oh, well. I love, so I, I really love that. I love how you incorporated Zeta in all of your books. Mm-hmm. All of your female characters are either are basically are Zetas. All your male characters are either Sigma or Kappas. Love that. Mm-hmm. But I want to talk about love quarantine. And before and after that, okay. love suffering. What made you want to write a book, a college book at that, about two polar opposites being stuck? in a dorm at Benedict College. And if you got to know Benedict College is, Benedict College is a small HBCU in South Carolina, right across the street from Allen University. Right. I, I went, when I first started college, I went to Allen for a semester. Okay. Didn't like it because it was way too small for me. I transferred and mm-hmm. went to But what made you want to write a story about that? You know what, I was literally, I wrote Quarantine Love in I think a week and a half. I was, it had, uh, we had just got on lockdown like we, they just put us on like stay what shelter in place. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I should write a book about COVID quarantine because it was hot at the time. So I just literally was like, what what's the storyline behind this? What's the storyline behind this? And I was like, college. So I just literally like, I'm gonna be honest with you, a lot of my book ideas come from dreams. So like I'll dream something and then I'll wake up, I'll be like, hmm, that's interesting. And I won't write it until I pretty much think about it yeah. and I don't outline so when I write all, no, all of that's coming off the top of the head so like if I get like I'll write right write, then I'll stop go to sleep thinking about it and then the, like the next scenes will come and I'll be like that's it I got it mm-hmm. and then I'll just start going so outline, I tried to outline and it actually hindered me so I was like yeah outline now what I do do is I use um like in Microsoft Word I use comments so okay. like I might write some comments to the side about like when I do my characters, I'll put like whoever the character is, I'll put a comment and write everything about that character in the comments, like 
he's this age, this is how I want him to look, blah, blah, blah. But usually for me, I find my character visuals first. And then I literally write my character to the character visual. So, and, and I guess that's just, I feel like I do that because I'm not, that's probably one of my weaknesses, being descriptive on how somebody looks without a visual. Yeah. So I was like, well, whatever. I'm going to just get a character visual and just look at them and just, okay, he's sexy, he's this, he's that. So, but I don't know. The quarantine love, I just, it just came to me. And I was like, and they were polar opposites outside of the gaming. But a lot of times it happens like that. Yeah. It like you, somebody you just don't even think you like would even talk to. And then some, that one little minute detail is what, joins you and then from there something grows at the end ironically i think it's time i might end up writing a short for them because i think it's time for an update for them um it all it is also time for update with um you know so yeah (laughs) because i have never been turned on by a guy that lives with autism you the way (laughs) you can describe calypso and love spectrum was just so. Oh, it was just oh, I can't even put it in the way. And every and you know what's what's funny is everyone loves that book. They're like, look, girl, you made autism sexy as hell. Yes. I was like, really? <laughs> I was like, well, you know, I wanted to. I know a couple of high functioning autistic people, mm-hmm. and so one of my sources, her husband, is high functioning. So that's where I got a lot of the inspiration from. I asked, I called her, and I said, hey, I'm writing this book, and I want to. I, I need some insight on high functioning autism. Is it okay if I talk to you and your husband about just things in your relationship, things like that? I'm not going to put your stuff in the book, but I just want to. And if outside of like with her husband, outside of small little things that you have to be very observant of, you wouldn't know any different. Yeah. He's very you know particular about certain things, but I can't really even say that I would have called that autism if I didn't already know he had it. I just I would just think. He don't like certain things. Like, I don't like my food to touch. Like, I'll go crazy if certain foods touch. I would not touch, like, how people on Thanksgiving. <laughs> That's my worst. I hate Thanksgiving. <laughs> you will not. You like, if I, somebody invites me to their house for Thanksgiving, I bring my own plate. Ooh. Like, I'm, I'm serious about my thing. Like, I will not. You will not put that collard green juice with that fried chicken. Like, <laughs> like, I mean, like, so. I wanted to just show that these, um, you know, high function autistic people, they're getting married. They are productive. They are having full on amazing careers. So you can't just think that they're all just in some insane asylum or sitting on some short bus. That's not, that's not the reality of the situation. When KJ told him, told her that she was autistic and she was just like, okay, Ann. Mm-hmm. Like, it, like it didn't bother her mm-hmm. that's the thing I, I can't say i loved about this book was that they like even though kj was very into himself and after reading love's touchdown i could see more of him mm-hmm. of why um macy said what she said when it did came to me when they first met because at the time in love touchdown kj was so to himself and he was fine about where he was at like he didn't like you know, mm-hmm. so he didn't want a relationship when then when moon came and that's when he realized that she loved Harry Potter just as much as he did. And like Liam said, this is your age. Like, don't mm-hmm. 
scare her off or don't self-sabotage because you got autism. Right. And, and then more so, she was like, okay with it, but she did ask the questions. Like, what does that mean for this relationship? And he was honest. I don't know. Like, I've never been in a relationship, so I don't know what that means for this relationship. And I like, and when I wrote it, I wanted people to see the growth. Like, you know, so even the scene when they're like in the cafeteria and he's, she's like, uh, babe, you can't wear um, sweats. And he's like, well, why not? And he's like, well, you got a big dick. And, like, and he's like, what? Because in his mind, like, who thinks of that stuff? Like, like, what? Right. And for us, we like, uh, bro, you better put some progression shorts on. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, just little small things like that. And just him, even I made it a point in that book for him to always be like a grown ass man. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, even with that, that was very, I'm very intentional sometimes. Because I remember in the past, I would get some editors and they would say that I'm, I say things, certain things in my book repetitively. And I was like, but that's, there's a point behind that. Like, especially once I find a theme of what my message is, I might say it under, like, for instance, shameless love. I'm going to set in a book, I'm never ashamed about what I do. A thousand times. Because that was the point. Like, my dad always would tell me, never be shameful of what you do. I don't care if you're doing the, the most trifling shit ever. If you shame about it, don't do it. You shouldn't be doing it. And I've lived my life like that. Like, whatever, I did it. I'd like, what you going to do? Like, who going to check me? And that's where, that's what, how I wrote, how I came into Shameless Love. Like I had been reading so many, I had been into one night stand books and pregnancy books. And so I was like, I'm gonna write a book like I like to read. And that's how Shameless Love came about. And I honestly, I don't come up with my book title till the very end of my book. So I never know what I'm gonna name it, name it until I get near the end and I'm like, it just kind of drops on me. I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah, they they definitely have um, an update coming because I'm I, I'm planning to do like I said I'm planning to do um, some subscriber boxes. I saw so, that. Yes. Yeah. So I'm planning to start doing subscriber boxes. I'm probably going to my plan of it right now is probably only do it quarterly, okay. and that's because when I put the books that I'm going to put in the subscriber boxes are going to be books that aren't available anywhere else. So I'm going to, they're going to be brand new material that you only get if you're a subscriber. Okay, so, so it could be an update. It could be a brand new book. Yeah. And if I put it out for the public, it'd be like months later. Yeah. Okay. So that'd be the benefit of being a subscriber of the box because you know that you're going to get a brand new release paperback yeah. signed and nobody else will have it outside of my subscribers. So that's one thing that I said I'm going to do to set myself apart. Um, you know, and that, that you know, I don't. It could be a full time thing. So we'll see. Um, I know Ashley Antoinette just started that. And then she has a second yeah. boxes going on. And I love her, but that was way too much. Money. That $150? Woo, listen. I love you. Okay. I, 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 I love you, Ashley. I got book club. I got all your books, honey. Let me tell you that something. That was the I was like, oh. that that will humble you. I was like, oh, I'm gonna go ahead and get her. Yeah. I was, I don't know why that why but granite, the stuff in the box was a lot. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I when I saw it, I was the, the price. I said, all right, it's probably worth it. And like when I was doing my research on boxes, I was like, okay, I ain't gonna hit nobody over the head. 
And it's Ashley Antoinette, so she can yeah, do that. Exactly. She can do that, exactly. Because I remember like, her Facebook group, and she when she did the second vote of boxers, I think she did it that midnight, and I think she wrote like the next day saying that her website crashed. Yeah. Oh, yeah, she can do that. She can do that because she's going to have mass production. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Like when I come out with my boxes, you know, I'm probably going to stay around the price range of 50 to 67, no more yeah. than $70. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And But I'm still going to have, you know, you're going to get this exclusive book and yeah. then whatever else comes with the theme of that book. Yeah. Uh, if I sell 40, I'm happy. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I ain't trying to like, you know, because I, you know, look, look, God, if I sell 10, Exactly. 10 people got an exclusive book and we just gonna keep it moving yeah. and those 10 people will become 20 will become 30 i'm i've always been real good about when my time is my time is yeah. and you know and i see a lot of people doing the subscription boxes now and they're cute and but the reality of it is is when you think about as a businesswoman you have to think about the input on the, the output that you're putting to do those subscription mm -hmm. boxes like that stuff is not cheap to to wow. do all of that stuff yeah. so you can't expect and i had to tell myself this like i do a lot of book sales but you know sometimes i do book sales my books are dirt cheap like you can get my that last book sale i had you literally could get my whole catalog for sixty dollars whole entire catalog for sixty dollars and i was like and one person she came on there and was like but she said about my shipping i said are you serious the book is six dollars and you tripping about five dollars shipping? Hey, my book is fifteen. My my, my shipping is five dollars. So what? You, and then at the same right. time, when I got your stuff, I got a mask. I got a pen that I still use. I got a I think I got like a bookmark. I got like a, like a you know a personalized thank you card. So what are you tripping? Are you exactly, exactly. And then get this. If you buy any of my erotica sexy books, I, I send you a, a lipstick vibrate. But you tripping off of $5 shipping. And I'm like, and I always tell people, I don't give, I don't give, I try to be very unique in the, in the gifts that I get, like the freebies I give. If yeah. you spend more than, if you spend more than $50 with me, you get a power bank, a, a Meldar power bank. So I, I'm not out here just cheap and giving out stuff. Not to say other authors are. I had pop sockets. I had all type of things. So my thing is like, as a businesswoman, I had to realize this year when I was doing my like doing my expenses for last year's taxes and stuff. Yeah, I sell myself short. Yeah. So a lot of these sales, they about to be like 48 hour sales. If you don't get it, whatever. And a lot of times it's just me being lazy. Like I just don't be changing the prices on the site because I'm like, well, I forgot, whatever. But, and then a lot of, so I just like, I can't do it anymore. Like this book is $15. You want it, you want it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I, and, I, and I feel like I'm now at a point in my pinship that I can say, I'm, I, especially now that I'm trying to love and, I, and I'm perfecting my craft, yeah. I can say it's okay to have a book be $15. Of course. You know what I'm saying? Like I've written a lot of books. Look, I I know someone that wrote one book, one, and it, it, it was okay. I mean, it was okay. She's now teaching people how to write books. Okay. You wrote one damn book. And I was so confused. I was like, 
I read the book. And I was like, why are you? I said, you know what? I ain't gonna knock nobody hustle because if she if she got if she got somebody to pay her $150, then they 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 get what they get. Yeah. Like I said, I, and I said, I ain't even mad at your hustle. I said, I, I I'm very surprised that you went out like that, but okay. Like I, I could teach people how to put an anthology together. Any that's not hard. But again, when I started re-releasing my books, I learned that self-publishing is the devil. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> one of the, that's one of the reasons why I signed to Random Lit was because mm-hmm. I, at, at the time I was going to do self-publish, and then I did my, I did my, you know, I did my research, and I was just like, yeah, this is not going to work. Yeah, it's the devil. I, I tell people that I'd rather be signed. One, I have a career. Yeah. So, and people are like, oh, self-publishing, you pay your publisher to do certain things. Mm-hmm. I don't, I want to be able to focus on my writing, my career. With Be Love, yeah. she gives us embellishments. We, she gives a lot of, you know, writing, like so many embellishments. And then I don't have to worry about all the other stuff. But I find a, I find a um, cover, tell her this is the cover I want. She sends it off to editing. She does the copyright, pays for copyright. Boom, boom. That's what she get her piece of her the royalties for. Yeah. I don't have to worry about that. When I when I had to re-release my books, I was crying over some of them um charges yeah. on for editing because good editing is not cheap. No, not at all. Not at all. And like one of I edited, I had some one a company edit three books at once. Baby, when that girl sent me that thousand dollar bill, I was like, breathe, 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 Jesus, breathe. But she's an amazing editor. She was an amazing editor, and I and I, I was like, okay, I'm gonna use you, I'm gonna I'm gonna use you, but Jesus, God, yeah. I was like, Lord Jesus, I was like, to the point where I'm like, Tyce, you might have to uh, get into self editing <laughs> on a couple of these books because well, you know books that people were really tripping about the editing. We gonna just uh work that out. So my final question to you is kind of a question, kind of advice for me, but for other people, mm-hmm. I want to write. So my first book, I was happy that it came out. I was really happy because this is what I was going to do. At the same time, I felt as if it wasn't up to par with other people. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Because when yeah. I, yeah, when I, me being me, this like close to you is a YA, you could say like a YA black love romance. Mm-hmm. So I know people my age probably read it because I know you, so I'm gonna read it. But at the same time, people were just like, I'm gonna support it and not read it. So my sales weren't as good as I thought. And mm-hmm. I felt like a major ass failure. I'm not gonna lie to you. I felt mm-hmm. horrible about myself. I was like, what I was like, what the hell? Like I'm doing like, do that. Do that, blah blah. But talking to, we're getting advice from um, New York, New York best sales timer, um, Nick Stone, getting advice from another girl that I'm really close with, Portia Dion, who is an amazing um, erotic um, novelist, uh, getting advice from Christina C. Jones. Mm-hmm. Um, she's amazing. Yeah, she's a thr- amazing. Getting advice from her and getting advice from uh, other people as well. I realized that I am a perfectionist. I, like, I put a lot on myself when it comes to books. Oh, just it's stuff in general. So when things don't when things don't go what I thought it was going to go, I get upset. 
So mm-hmm. my question to you is somebody who is an experienced author to somebody who is now just coming in working on the second book. When it comes to book sales mm-hmm. and trying to find your niche and trying to find your audience, what is the best advice you could give somebody like that? So I'm gonna be honest with you. When I went into writing books, I didn't go in it for the book sales. Mm-hmm. So that makes it a little different for me. My why is different. Yeah. So I wanted to end now, don't get me wrong, the money's nice. Yeah. But my why is different. Yeah, that's the thing. My why is wasn't for money sales. It was just like I'm putting out good work in the fact that right. people are not receptive to it. Or so it takes that's, time. that's the thing that that's the thing. It wasn't about the money. It's just the fact that I thought that I wrote book, I wrote this book, I'm supporting it, I'm promoting it, promoting, promoting it. And I got some people telling me that it's good, it's a good book, but blah, 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 blah. And so it, I, so it honestly takes time. And you yeah. know what? I'm going to be honest with you. A lot of my books that have been successes from word of mouth, mm. like people, one, one reader to another reader, bookies, you know, different groups, um, like somebody read your book and say, this is a good book, but I'm looking for some kind of book yeah. and you pop your book in there. Somebody's going to pick it up and it takes time. Like I, I remember getting royalties that was like, I keep in mind, like royalties is somebody's getting some of this money too. Yeah. And my end of the money ain't even $300. So, but if I make a dollar, somebody bought a book, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Somebody's reading, you know, and, and it's just, you have, I'm a perfectionist too. And you have to kind of, it's hard to not be a perfectionist. Like when I wrote Summer's Howl, my paranormal, I thought that's, I think that's my worst written book. Everybody loves it. And I'm like, really? But I was going against, I read a lot of paranormals. Mm. I'm not a J, J Royal. Yeah. I'm not a, uh, Peach Johnson, like these women are amazing in, in that genre. And I'm like, baby, I can't, I can't do that. But for now, looking back, I'm like, well, maybe it was a decent book. So you just have to almost, it's, it just takes time. I, it's, that's the best way I can explain it. Like you have to be patient and know that eventually when it's your time, your buzz will come. And it can happen like that. And then they are quite frankly you can go away. Yeah. I've had I've I've had when I was under Queens of Lit Presents, I've had times where my royalty checks was thick. And then the next month it dropped back down. Because yeah. some people would jump on you at one good time and then it'll the buzz would drop down. That's why you see some authors steady releasing, steady releasing, yeah. steady releasing. And you know, that's fine. And that's why I said I at this point, somebody asked me whether I would ever do writing full time like quit my job. And I yeah. said, and I'm just honest, I said, no, I'll never quit my job to write. I said, I will, I said, they were like, so even if you be like a New York bestseller, no. I said, the only way I would quit my job is if an Oprah, Calipari, or somebody said, I'm turning your book into a movie. Yeah. Then I'll consider quitting. I said, well, what if you get a New York bestseller and you got to go on tour? So this is thing called leave. Yeah, yeah, you can take that. <laughs> you know, like, I work in HR, like, what are you talking about? I make good money, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I'm like I, I need my health insurance. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, and that's just my, but 
I still could produce enough yeah. to be as if I am a full-time writer. And quite frankly, look, writing, I write, if I'm not working, I'm writing. So it just, it falls hand in hand. Like I, when I'm off work, I'll be sitting at home and just watching TV, type it away, right away. So, you know, like I, I'm better now, but I, I've written books in clubs. I, re, I, I wrote, what, I can't remember what, my, I think it was Trail and Tay. I wrote Trail and Tay sitting in the club, wow. sitting in the VIP section on my phone, my note. They were like, what you doing writing a book? Are you serious? I don't see my husband in him. Like, I don't see no man I'm interested, so might as well write. <laughs> you know? So, but when you're committed to your craft, so I say just stay committed, stay on your grind, and it will it will definitely come. And when it hits, you won't be like, that's it right there. Yeah, I wrote some, I have like a, right, I'm writing a story right now where it's going to be scenes from like my first official book. And then two other characters are kind of going to jump into like kind of like a four POV with like two couples type situation. And like the second main the second main character's sister is going to be bisexual, mm-hmm. which I am I'm bisexual too. Mm-hmm. She's going to be more so like me, where she's just now coming out as bisexual. Okay. She doesn't know how to like control her feelings or try to talk to females. You have another female who is going to be a basketball player and she's open, proud. She's going to be like the mayor's daughter, blah, blah, blah. So I wrote on my Twitter and I was just like, hmm. I was like, how would people feel? Like, I was like, I want to write a book about bisexuality, but I want to, but I want my main characters to be two black leaders of love, women black leaders of love. When I tell you, I had so many retweets, likes, quote tweets, yeah, because that's something that people are not doing. When is this book coming out? When are you writing? Yeah, that's something people are not doing. Write this shit, write this shit. And because of Stone R went out, because of um, Nia Johnson, you see me in the crown, and Joanna Perez, besides the fact that between them, all three Black Arthurs, all three, well, besides Nate, Joranda and Leah are, those are like their like first books out already getting like nominated uh the star of the black in between them is my favorite book of 2020 so that really mm-hmm. helped me out with you know being receptive who i am and i like i posted like a pic i post a pic a post on my instagram story and had them in it and all three of them retweeted it right it's like this is what like i want this book congratulations when is this book coming out that reputation that matters so it's the fact that even though this book is not coming as of right now, but the fact that people want to see or want to read about two bisexual women right. trying to find love. Right. Like, and not so now that you have that buzz, you have to kind of follow that up. Yeah. So you have whether it's start writing the book or write little teasers, little yeah, short yeah, my, scenes. Yeah. My goal is to incorporate them into the book I'm currently writing now. Mm-hmm. And then, like, kind of like towards the end, like at the end of the book, probably do like a little, like a little dinner scene of mm-hmm. them, eating, and then go from there, and be like, and spin like, it off. yeah, and then spin it off from there. That's the mm-hmm. that's the in my head. I have it on my board too. So, well, that's smart to yeah, have them connected. Yeah. It's just the fact so that like the people actually want to read. Them. Oh yeah, because it's, it's something like, that people aren't doing. It's it's something that like it's just something. 
that type of literature in the urban yeah. market is a niche that a lot of people aren't doing, but there's representation. Yeah. So we don't, it's, it's not there. So you have so many people who don't know how to feel about their sexuality, whatever the case may be. And quite frankly, sometimes, I'll be honest, when I read urban literature, when it comes to bisexual sexuality, it's some ratchet type shit. Yeah. It's never this, I'm bisexual, but I'm a loving person. I'm this, I'm that. I usually see it as some girl just doing some whole groupy ratchet stuff. So for somebody to write a book where it's showing two women, one that is out, one that may not know, she knows, but she's kind of there to show a build up of love. That's something totally, especially in an urban environment. That's something that you, you we haven't seen. I haven't seen it. So there's a market for it and there's a niche for it. And if that's what, that's, if that's what that's on your heart to write, I would write that because that might be that one book that sets you apart. That's like, okay, this is different because it is my one book that in my opinion, that was a game changer for me was Untainted Love. So that sounds like that would be your game changer. And I would, I would wholeheartedly love to read that. And I'm, and I'm, you know, I'm not bisexual or anything, but I, it's still, it's love. And, you know, and like I said, I've seen when I wrote Untainted Love, I wrote it because of um reader asked me to write it she said you know i am hiv positive every time i read an urban literature book i'm the pariah i, I did some dirty stuff i want i want to feel love so i said let me write you a love story it's the same situation i think with your idea somebody needs to know that in urban literature it's not always some ratchet crazy always, you know I'm, whatever it's always the threesome and, that, and that's why, I'm, and that's where I'm saying. And that's the thing that pissed me off too, was because I posted it on my Facebook and one person was just like, I wouldn't read it if it doesn't have, if we, because I'm a straight guy, I wouldn't read it if it didn't, have, if it didn't include the threesome in it. But that's how a lot of people are seeing stuff. That ratchet, that ratchet part of it. Like, oh, yeah, they bisexual, they a man in the bed, da, 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 da. And I'm like, that's not what that's all about. So no. for you to come from a different angle that to show love, I think that'd be that'd be impactful. And it'd give people a voice to say, it's not always this. So I think I definitely would, I definitely would like to see that project. Yeah. Tell me, hopefully Jewish. Hopefully by okay. in the process. Hopefully by the end of Pride Month, if not Pride, if not June, definitely September. Since September mm-hmm. is Bi Visibility Month. Mm-hmm. Bi, yeah, Bi Visibility Month. And yeah, so hopefully around that time for sure. Mm-hmm. But I want it at least summer, early fall for it to come out. But thank you so much for joining me. I definitely appreciate it. I had fun. I had a great time. Guys, please get all of her books. They are amazing. Definitely get my favorite out of the bunch. The Love Spectrum. My second favorite is Love Touchdown, just because of Liam and how he was just very loving. And you could tell mm-hmm. he is Justin's son. He is Justin's son. <laughs> Justin yes. was very loving and very understanding. And even though he was a gangster, he was just like, I'm going to love that woman whether she is bipolar or not. And he was right. oh, that man was amazing. But all mm-hmm. of the, all the Washington Christians and Christians in this mix are right. Honestly. Yeah. 
definitely amazing. Um, tell the people where they can find you at. And what's then you can find me. All of my handles are Arthur Mel Dar on any social media site. Um, I don't. I, I wouldn't send you to Twitter because it's a dummy mission. I don't use Twitter. <laughs> but um, IG, TikTok, um, Facebook, Arthur Melda. Um, I have a website if you want to buy paperbacks, meldazmania.com. And I'm, I'm pretty much everywhere. Yes, you, I will leave all her links below. Oh, my next question is for me, Leif. Do you have any projects that you're currently working on now? Or do you want to tell us how many books do you plan to have out for the rest of the year? Um, I don't know how many books I plan to have out for the rest of the year, but I am tinkering with a paranormal. Centered around about, centered around about threes. So, yeah. So, I'm excited, I'm excited about that because I, I haven't seen anybody write about that. So, I like, to, I always try to be different. here with k the bookworm make sure you guys subscribe like comment trying to get to 300 before my birthday which is april 18th so please help me because we're at 256 right now please, 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 please. if you're on uh apple music definitely apple podcast excuse me please rate like comment all that jazz and until next time guys have faith have confidence love you always always be you and i'll see you guys later bye bye